When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 13, Episode 33. This is Writing Excuses, reading outside the box. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Elliot. I'm Howard. And we are currently trapped in a floating box in the Baltic Sea. <laughs> but it is okay because we are here with wonderful special guest, Christy Claxton. Hello. Awesome. Uh, Christy, tell us very briefly about yourself. Um, I am a POC writer. I, uh, in my typical day job, I am a mom to about nine people <laughs> uh, uh, during the day, and then I go home and I'm a boss to about four people. <laughs> Very well put. Awesome. And you're also a writer as well. I do write. Um, I typically uh, I typically uh, submit to a lot of contests and, and pray that someone will notice how great I am. It doesn't typically happen, but sometimes I do. Right now I'm writing a a thriller uh, about a con woman who comes to meet her, the fiancé of her deceased daughter, and she is picking up the con that her daughter had started. That sounds awesome, yeah. and I'm excited to read it. Cool. Well, we are happy to have you here, Christy. Uh, we want to talk today about a question. We're, we're currently on the Writing Excuses cruise, uh, the retreat, and in one of the classes that Aliette taught yesterday, a really good question came up and we said, we are totally going to answer that in an episode because everyone needs to hear this. And the question was basically, if I remember correctly, how can I know when I'm reading about a different culture that what I'm reading is accurate and respectful and, and well done? And so, Aliette, what, what would you like to, where would you like to start us on that answer? Well, I think the... Um, if you really want to have an idea of whether something is respectful or not to a given culture, then you need to actually understand what the culture is. And to get a good grounding on what that culture is, then you need to read as much as possible that comes from people inside the culture so that you have a good reference for, okay, this is what's happening and you also want to get a good spread because cultures are going to be like you know no culture is a monolith so you're going to get very different perspective like for instance in vietnam if you go still happening to some extent north vietnam south central vietnam and south vietnam are going to be very different entities and of course you know then every province have their own so you have to get a sense of like every author is going to have 
their different biases. It's really hard. I mean, especially mm-hmm. if you're coming from outside, it feels very much like you're staring at a wall of everything that feels similar. But as you read more and more, you become more aware of how things are playing out and how someone's someone may have prejudices against their neighbor and their neighbors might give it back to them. And then when you have, I think that when you have that thorough grounding, then you can start getting a sense of whether the story that you're, the one that you're actually reading actually makes sense from that culture's perspective. The thing that, the thing that I've found, and I think I first discovered it when I was reading uh, The Black Swan by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who is a Syrian Christian, um, uh, in his descriptions of the, the book is about how we tell ourselves stories in order to make the world make sense, but our stories are wrong. Our stories create a narrative and then reality will deny that narrative with the introduction of an element that he would call the black swan. Um, but in reading it, he told he shared anecdotes from his life. It's a nonfiction book. And I learned things about the Syrian Christian community, which was a thing that I didn't even know existed until I picked up that book. And, and in picking up that book, I recognized that the void in my own life was, one, I'm not reading enough nonfiction, and two, I'm not reading enough anything written by people who aren't me. And so the filter, the filter that I see on fiction, whether or not the people are from my culture, is that... Fiction is when we make stuff up. And if I'm from outside the culture, I can't tell if they're making up things or if they're reporting things correctly. And so I start, and boy, I hate to lay this at, at everybody else's feet because I haven't done it well yet. But if you read nonfiction from people who aren't you, you are more likely to get the straight story that will then help you judge the fiction that you read. Hmm. Well, I think. I don't know if you get really get the straight stories because, I mean, we all tell stories, right? That's how, I mean, one of the things I was talking about on the course is that, um, you know, when you have family histories and family stories, for instance, no two people are going to give you the same yes. explanation of what went down at Ambi's <laughs> wedding, right? Mm-hmm. So, and um, whenever you tell a story, that's a bit the same. You're telling it from your perspective. But I agree that with nonfiction, you don't have the filter of, I have to make up this to be entertaining, to follow certain conventions. So memoirs, I find like one of the memoirs that I always recommend uh, very heavily is uh, Andrew Pham's uh, three, uh, Under the Eaves of Heaven, which is about his father's life in Vietnam from around the 1950s to um, when they settled in America after the Vietnam War. And it's a really interesting piece about like that section of Vietnamese history seen through the eyes of his father and seen through the eyes of the son as well. So you really get that sense, I think, it's a really interesting thing for getting the, the the sense of the life of both the father and the son. I think that's a really good point that you make about the the, the fact that, you know, we, we always say culture is not a monolith, but it's not just, oh, people who are coming from here have a slightly different, like I'm from the American South and my family is East Tennessee. I grew up in North Carolina. There are cultural differences between the two places. But it's not just that. It's even within a single family unit, you will have these differences. Christy, you and I were talking yesterday a little bit, and you had some, right after Elliot's class, and you had some things to say. Well, <laughs> I think it's very important not to just take one point of view or read just one thing. I'm from the American South. My family uh, is from Tennessee, uh, southern Tennessee. Whereabouts? Uh, right 
before the border of Georgia. I'm Chattanooga. I do not. Okay, yes. <laughs> we are kissing cousins. I didn't grow up in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. My father was in the military. I've lived all over the place. I do not have the same experiences as someone from, the, from who has lived in the South for any long period of time because I've lived in the North. We lived in Germany. We lived out West. I've lived, I mean, I've spent the majority of my time in Rhode Island. However, I've lived a completely different life than someone who has spent all of their time in Tennessee. So you can't just take one point of view or one story or one, you can't just interview one person and think, oh, I just know everything there is to know. That's, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's next to impossible. I mean, just think about how many things your neighbor gets wrong. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's let's pause right now for our book of the week, which Christy is going to tell us. I recently read uh, Warlock Holmes, a study in brimstone, and it is a <laughs> retelling. Okay. <laughs> which is which is too perfect to not have already existed. That's amazing. That okay. So tell us about it. It is a retelling of Sherlock Holmes, and he has taken the majority of Sherlock Holmes's stories and just made them supernatural where Watson is the logical deductive reasoner and Warlock Holmes is the one who is using magic to solve the mysteries. That's great. There is also a sequel as well. That's the fantastic. Hellhounds of Baskerville. <laughs> <laughs> Who, uh, who's it by? You, the, no. <laughs> that, that is something that we will Google and include in the liner notes. Excellent. We yeah, if, you can, if you can remember Warlock Holmes, you've got it. If you yeah. can't remember Warlock Holmes... Might be snubbed the book for huh? you, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but since since we are talking about books, one thing that I want to say is that you know when you're when you're looking for since this prompt uh, this began from the the what should I be reading? Um, one of the things that I would say, encourage people to do is n- read not just fiction and not just nonfiction, but but making sure that you're reading things that are produced for that culture by people from that culture. Mm-hmm. So magazines are actually really useful. Mm. And not just, I'm going to read an article here or there, but actually read the entire magazine cover to cover, including the advertisements, because what people are trying to sell to other people within their community is really telling. Like, what do we sell on this podcast? We sell books that are science fiction and fantasy predominantly because that is who our community is. We also try to sell you that we know what we're talking about. (laughs) Jonathan Colton's song, uh, Sky Mall, where he deconstructs uh, the Sky Mall magazine on airplanes and sings from the point of view of a Sky Mall shopper. Um, I wept when I listened to it because he turned that uh, high-end consumer life into something just so empty and yet so so full of wonder. And and yeah, you know, you read Sky Mall and you think. Who are these people? These people are not me. Who are these people? Um, and you know, the Sky Mall is not a great example because it's trying to advertise to a cross section of people with more money than sense. Um, but any magazine will fulfill will fulfill this in different ways because of with the advertisers because of that desire to fill a need they have. I I do want to caution this with. Uh, that's why I was talking about grounding, which is mm. a lot of these things are going to have subtext that you're just not going to see. The example I always take for this is um, there's a series of short stories that said during the Ming Dynasty, and for the life of me, I can't, it's Stories to Warn the World, and then I can't actually remember the name of the author. But I remember being very struck because at one point, a woman crosses the street very slowly, very daintily, and there's a lot of description. Um, it's like, two sentences of description or something. The subtext is she would have had bound feet and that's why she was crossing the street so slowly. But if you don't know this, then you'll just miss it. And Mm. it's the same with like, you know, a lot of, for instance, the Vietnamese magazines are going to have, I saw one that was for a shampoo brand uh, because there's a, in Tamankam, it was based on a Vietnamese fairy tale where one of the characters actually gets the other out of the house under the pretext of washing her hair. And if you don't know that this is a reference to this particular fairy tale, then you're like, oh, this is nice. But you kind of, you know, you don't have the vocabulary. It's like when you're learning a foreign language and all those proverbs are like, I'm sorry, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, that, that that's a really good point. Um, that sometimes without context, you can miss a lot of those clues. Um, one of the... One of the cultures that I love to read and to read about is uh, South American literature. One of my all-time favorite authors is Isabel Allende. And if you have the chance, for example, Allende writes for both a a Chilean audience and for an English-speaking audience and different books. And it's fascinating to read both of them and compare what is she emphasizing when she's writing House of the Spirits versus some of her stuff that's that's written in Spanish. Um, and so if you have the chance to compare two works like that and, and see what gets emphasized or what gets left out, that can tell you a lot about mm. those contextual clues. I, um, 
just wanted to mention using uh, vernaculars because I think a lot of, uh, I, like I said, I spend the majority of my time in Rhode Island. And there are a lot of things that are specific to New England that I know about that someone may not pick up uh, uh, if they're from, say, the South or from the Northwest or even from another country. And I think that's the, one of the biggest things around here that uh, with writing excuses is that we're trying to be everything to all people. Mm. And sometimes you can get that. <laughs> and sometimes you can't. And you have to be very careful about how you put it when you're doing it. I found it. that the best I can hope for personally is to be honest about myself to all people mm -hmm. and to be honest about what I don't know when I'm trying to tell stories that involve other people. Uh, because... The older I get, the stupider I get. The, the less I, the less I know that I know. Does that make sense? And and I want to say on that note, the the one of the things that that you have to be most cautious of that the thing that I would encourage you to 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 do is that uh, the things that you think you know about another culture are the things that are all that those are the things where you are at the biggest risk of getting yeah. it wrong, wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. completely and totally wrong i um was writing a novel that was set in theater in 1907 and i'm like and i was researching the clothes the hats streetcar timetables didn't do any research on the theater because i've spent 25 years in theater and uh dress rehearsal not a thing Tech rehearsal, not a thing. Oof. There were all of these historical mistakes that I was just making right and left. And <sighs> and and so also when you are, you know, and along with that, uh, remember that cultures evolve over time. So it's not enough to just be <clears throat> like, this is the way it is now. How was it 10 years ago, 15, 50 years ago? Because that evolution uh, is also going to tell you a lot about conflict points between characters. And, and so when you're trying to write another culture, it's not, it's not fast research. No, it definitely is not fast research. And you have to pay attention because my mother will say something that does not translate to what I think at all. <laughs> when my mother goes into a store, they're following her because she's black. When I go into the store, they're following me because they want to sell me something. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to be, you, you've got to take all stories as much as possible, unless you're truly trying to say something just from one person's point of view from the South. You can mm -hmm. tell that story. A couple of things that uh, I think are worth, uh, worth watching. One of them hasn't come out uh, one of them hasn't come out yet, and that's Marvel's new Black Panther movie, which has a black director and a largely black cast. And they are, they appear to be trying to do justice to a lot of these cultural things. The original Black Panther comic book did not do any of that. And so it'll be fascinating to see what they come up with. And the other was uh, the Netflix Luke Cage, which I, as a white dude watched and I could tell I am missing inner city cultural <laughs> note after inner city cultural note 
I know there is context I don't have, but I was, I, I, there were tears in my eyes as I realized there is a huge library of knowledge here I don't have, but other people are getting it. And they didn't used to get this from TV. No. They didn't used to get this. I watched it a couple of times now. I still don't understand it. And so the trend of native voices producing things, there's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for that. And uh, and consuming that uh, is the only way I'm going to approach any sort of knowledge. All right. This has been a really good discussion. Uh, Mary, you have our writing exercise, our, our thing for the end of the episode. Right. So I'm going to give you homework that I actually did. And this is a year-long project um, because, as we've said, this is not simple, this this thing of, of learning to write outside of your box. What I want you to do is I first want you to identify your box. And this is tricky. There are two ways you can do it. One is you can, you know, categorize yourself by census records. So, like, I'm a, a, a white woman, uh, American white woman. Um, the other thing you can do is walk over to your bookshelf and look at your bookshelf and categorize the patterns that you normally read in. Specifically, since we're talking about life experience and and lenses, specifically the kinds of authors, the, their, their background. So I did this and discovered that, you know, despite all of my feminist and uh, rhetoric, I was tending to read mostly men uh, and tending to read mostly white American men. So I spent a year in which I said, okay, I'm not going to read white American men. Uh, and specifically, I'm not going to read white Americans. I'm not going to read American fiction for a year. That was the box because I had already experimented with not reading, uh, not reading white people. You know, I'm I, some of my best friends are white people, but <laughs> I still identified that pattern and spent a year reading fiction from people who were from Europe, from Asia, from Africa, from Australia. Um, and people who were not white. And the things that I discovered about my own defaults have made me a significantly better writer because you don't realize the defaults that you have until you start reading fiction by people who do not come with the same set of defaults. So it's a long project. You're still allowed to buy books by other people, but I just want you to put off reading them for a year. And part of the reason is the first month or that you're doing this is about deprogramming your brain and learning to read outside of that box. Yeah, That's, the first book, the first book will be a real hurdle and be really tricky, but this doesn't start to pay off until book 3. Three, yes, yeah. three, th three or four was when I started to realize what was happening to my brain. It's very useful, um, no matter which box you find yourself in. Awesome. This has been uh, neurological hacking excuses. <laughs> <laughs> you are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing excuses is a Dragon Steel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.